How many of you know the story of uh, the Polar Express? Some of you do, but some of you don't. And you know why you don't? Because it wasn't published until 1985. This wasn't, so this wasn't even a, a, a story that was out when I was a kid. Well, I was still kind of a bigger kid, but, that, but that's when it came out. But by the time my wife was teaching school, it was a big story. And so every year on the last day before Christmas break, the kids, and I think she was teaching first or second grade at the time, they would have hot chocolate parties, and it was probably pajama day or some sort of other spirit day because, you know, that's what they do at elementary school the last week. And, and so they would all have hot chocolate, and she would read to them the Polar Express. Now, the Polar Express is a really cool story. It's about a little boy who is struggling to believe in Santa. And so one night, this train comes up and picks him up to take him and a bunch of other kids to the North Pole. And so, you know, a whole bunch of stuff ensues in that. And he is gifted with the very first present that Christmas. And what he chooses is a, a bell off of Santa's sleigh. And so an elf cuts off one of these bells and, and hands it to him. It was, I think, off of Rudolph's collar and hands it to him. And as long as he could hear that bell, then he was a true believer. And because most grown-ups couldn't hear that bell. And so as, as she told that story afterwards, one of the little gifts that she would give to her students was a bell. And so we would go into a craft store or something and, and get a bag full of bells. And, you know, then my job was to string the, the yarn and then she would tie it so they could wear it as a necklace on the way home. Right? Now, there's two things that we can hold to be true about, um, like, bags of bells or really bags of anything. Number one, they were not made in the United States. We can pretty much bank on that. Am I right? Therefore, and number two, a few of them ain't going to work. Now, this, my friends, could be a horrific tragedy in an elementary school classroom. If a kid gets a bell that doesn't ring, oh, that's bad. And so I, I could just imagine. Now, I can't remember this actually happened, but I can just imagine some poor child coming up to my wife, tears streaming down her face because she can't hear her bell, which would mean she's not a true believer, right? Well, all I got to say is it's a good thing that we don't have bells on everything anymore, right? Because we ain't true believers in anything anymore, are we? I mean, I don't know if it's TV, media, social media, print media, whatever kind of media it is. But that, along with all of our friends, have, or maybe it's just the generation we live in, we have a hard time believing anything anymore, right? I mean, there's so much thrown at us, and we'll hear it one way one day and one way the next day. And so what's real? What, what should we believe? How do we believe it? I mean, do you realize it was two years ago, two years ago, they started talking about this thing called the coronavirus, and it had nothing to do with the beer. Because that's all we knew of corona at that time, right? And so it was this thing in China, and you know my first thoughts on it? Well, it's an election year. Because every time there's an election year, some sort of outbreak happens. Remember Ebola and the bird flu and the swine flu and all those things? And I thought, here we go again. It's a slow news week, and so they got to come up with something to scare us. And, well, a few months later, it was a little more than scary when the world basically shut down, right? 
But at that time, I still knew maybe one person that had it. Did you? I mean, how many people did you know that first March 2020 that had had COVID? And then, and then summer went on. I still didn't know anybody. And, you know, fall rolled around. I knew a few more people. But do you know what I was doing last year this time? Nothing, because I was in bed with COVID-19. And trust me, folks, that's when I believed in it. Because I know how horrible I felt, how just laid out I was. But it took me to experience that virus to really believe what that virus could do. And because I had that experience, when that vaccine rolled around, man, I was the first one. All right, stick it here, because there is no way I was going to go through that again. And it was simply because the experience. I didn't care if they put a chip in it, if I grew an extra limb, or if I went sterile. That ship already sailed anyway. But still, I was definitely going to get it because I had experienced it. And I believed. That's kind of what it takes, isn't it? When we experience something, that's when we really believe something. In today's gospel reading... What we hear is the story of Mary, pre-Jesus story of Mary, right? And she's just lying in bed, or an angel of the Lord appears to her. And what's the first thing he says? First thing he always says, don't be afraid. Which, you try not being afraid, buddy. You just showed up in my house, right? And he says to her that she's going to have a baby. Even though she's never been with a man, even though she's not married, she's going to have a baby. And if that ain't enough, it's going to be God's baby. And it's going to have the kingdom over all the earth. Wow. Think Mary believed at that point? I mean, she said, Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And then he said, "And, And, you know, and... In her old age, your, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. It's her sixth month. Okay. So what do you think Mary did? Now this is Mary, the mother of our Lord. Holy Mary, right? You think Mary just sat there and said, Wow, I'm going to have God's baby. And he also said Elizabeth is pregnant. No. She went with haste. To Elizabeth. Why do you think she did that? She needed to see. She needed to experience for herself that proof that what that angel had said was real. Make sure she didn't eat something weird before she went to bed that night or, or, or had imagined the whole thing. But no, sure enough, she hadn't. And when she walked into the room, the baby leaped inside of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth just started spewing out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then, after seeing all this and experiencing all this, at that moment, she broke into what we know as the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. And it's and it's not because she was a great person. It's not because she was so much better than anybody else. It's not because her faith was much stronger than everybody else's. It's because she had experienced the presence of God. And that, my friends, is the same thing that happens with us. It's that experience. When we experience the presence of God, 
that brings us to action. And now you might be sitting there saying, well, it doesn't do, do that to me. I haven't experienced the presence of God. Yes, you have. And you know how I know? Because that presence has already impacted your actions. That's why you're here. I mean, it doesn't mean that we're, we're like the best people in the world. It doesn't mean we have this rock-solid faith that never wavers, that, that we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. No, what it means is God has encountered our lives and it has changed us in some small ways and in some big ways. And proof of that is your presence here today. But there's more proof than just that. God has called each and every one of us. He has called you, not because of your greatness, not because you believe better than anybody else, not because you're, you act better than anybody else, but simply because God has chosen you, just as God chose Mary. And because God has chosen you, you have an opportunity for your soul to magnify the Lord. And, when, and so how it is, is when you live out that calling, that's when your soul magnifies God. When you are who God truly created you to be, when you're doing what God has truly called you to do, you are magnifying the Lord. Because there's no way that you could be doing it alone. That's what it means to magnify the Lord. It means doing what you're called to do, individually and collectively. When we together do what God is calling us to do as a congregation, we are magnifying the presence of God in this place. And others come and experience that presence. Because you see, all of us have that experience because of our baptism. At our baptism, God encountered our lives, was present within us, and named and claimed us. And we have been called. And therefore, we have that opportunity to magnify the Lord. So that when others see us, they see that magnification of God. They see a clear picture of who God is through the love that we share with them. That's what it ultimately means to share our gifts to show God's love. It means letting our soul magnify the Lord. So as we go about the hustle and bustle and the stress of this week, let me encourage you to, to consider and, and focus on the fact that this week you are magnifying the Lord. Let others see the picture of the Christ child through you. May they see God in you. Amen.